Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests on the Shell Pins All Performance Line like Mel Kuyper and Kyle Trask, who are with us already so far this morning. And Ryan Clark will be here in a few minutes. And Ed Werder will check in from Dallas as well to answer the big question of the day. What will Jerry do? The Dallas Cowboys were an embarrassment on national television again last night. They're playing in what looks historically to be like one of the worst divisions ever, and they're the only team with no chance to win it. They also have a ridiculously bloated salary situation and a big decision to make at quarterback and a commitment to a coach who so far has been underwhelming to say the least and doesn't seem to be going anywhere. So what does Jerry Jones decide to do? Does he hit the plunger? He's in that part of the thing. I just used this description earlier. You know, when you jump into a pool, there's three different things that can happen. You're either moving downwards before you get to the bottom. You propel yourself off the bottom, so you're moving back up again. Or you're floating nicely at the top. The good teams are floating nicely at the top. Kansas City, Pittsburgh, these teams, they're at the top. They're just swimming. Everyone else is either on its way down towards the bottom or on its way back up. There are some teams out there that are very noticeably on their way up. The Dallas Cowboys are one of two that jump immediately to mind that are definitively on their way down. The Chicago Bears are another. Those two teams are headed south. The Jets, my team, for example, they're actually going in the other direction. They're just terrible. Right now, I guess they're at that point where their feet are on the bottom. They're touching the bottom of the pool, and they are preparing to propel themselves back up toward the top. They will have a new coach, probably a new quarterback, and all the salary cap money. Like They'll start moving back up towards the top again. Now, history suggests they may not get all the way there before they start going down again, but at least they'll be moving in that direction. The Bears and the Cowboys, I think, are two teams that need to just tear it down now. Hit the plunger. And I'll be interested to see what Jerry does. So we'll talk to Ed Werder about that. And we will have Ryan Clark here momentarily. And we'll go through some of the other issues of the day with him. I will also remind you, this show is a podcast. If ever you can't catch up with me. And look, I'd love you to spend two hours with me every single day. But I get it. You have a life. You have things going on. The show is called Hashtag Greenie. Each hour becomes its own little podcast. You can check it out and listen anywhere you normally get your podcasts. The big news of this day that broke since we came on the air from Heather Dinich and Adam Rittenberg is that the Big Ten is expected to announce they will allow Ohio State to play for the conference championship, even if they only wind up playing five games. And I was asked earlier this morning, do I have an issue with that? And my answer is no, I don't. Because this is the year in which rules just don't apply. Anything you want to do this year that isn't damaging anyone seems to make sense. All sorts of things that aren't fair. Doing this is not fair to Indiana, for example, who otherwise might deserve that shot because they played enough games, or to whomever this may be unfair. Fairness is just not the priority in 2020. Just get the job done. It's not right. It just is. It's life in a pandemic. So 2020 was the year in which the Steelers played Washington in a football game in which the Steelers were on five days rest and Washington was on 11. That wasn't fair. And I do think it is the overwhelming reason why Washington won that game. And for all we know, it'll deprive the Steelers of a perfect season, which would be historical, for which they would be remembered as long as the game is played. Not fair. But that's 2020. Did you watch baseball this year? Did you happen to notice... Did you happen to notice that when the game went to the 10th inning, they put a runner on second base to start the inning? Were you paying attention to that? Does that make sense? That's like beer league softball stuff. 
But in 2020, it worked. In 2020, it was okay. Whether you liked it or not, it was part of getting it done. And so I have no issue with them getting it done however they feel they need to. All right, RC will join me in a little while. We'll talk about the least expected thing, which I think might be on the verge of happening in the NFL. Least expected. The last thing you would have anticipated, I think, is about to happen. But before we do that, I've been looking forward to this all morning, bringing in Ed Werder on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Sign, Shell V-Power Nitro Plus Premium Gas. No one knows the ins and outs of the Dallas Cowboys and of their mercurial owner, Jerry Jones, better than Ed does. And so it's a pleasure to talk to you, Ed. How are you today? I'm doing well, Mike. Thanks very much. Hope you're the same. I am, I'm great. Thank you. And I'm going to do to you what I, I know all reporters <laughs> hate, which is I'm going to ask you to guess. Um, and, 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 but I found myself thinking about this this morning. Uh, Jerry Jones is a 78-year-old man who's had success in his life beyond anyone's wildest imagination. But, but, but I believe he is at a stage in his life and in his ownership of this team where he has to feel a great deal of pressure to find a way to get himself back to the, to the pinnacle of this. It's been 24 years. And he, I, I think that he, he right now runs a franchise that is at a crossroads. They can try and, for lack of a better word, run it back next year, tag Dak again, bring back the coaching staff, bring, try and bring back all these players, do something about the offensive linemen that you've lost, and, and say, I had a lot of talent, we had bad injuries and bad luck, and this will work. Or you can blow the whole thing up, which, which sitting on it from the outside looking in feels to me like it might be the right thing to do and just start over because the money spent in so many bad places – there are a million different problems, and with a lower salary cap to spend whatever it is, $39 million on a quarterback is questionable. So I feel like that might be the right thing to do. Do you think it's what he might do? Well, I think you, you mentioned it. I mean, Jerry Jones is 78 years old. Does he have time to hit the reset button and start all over? And then I would ask this question too, Mike. Does he have the, is he willing to commit the financial resources necessary in a pandemic year where in all likelihood the Cowboys have lost more revenue because of home attendance being reduced in in the manner that it has, you know, they've led the league in in, in attendance for like 12 years uh, at 90,000 people per game since they built this new stadium. So is Jerry going to be willing to having lost that revenue invested in paying off Mike McCarthy and his entire coaching staff for four more years, hiring another head coach and his staff and paying that staff for the foreseeable future and uh, letting go of a quarterback that they have seen more evidence than they ever needed his value this year in his absence. Um, I mean, I think Jerry is probably furious. He's got a last place team in one of the worst divisions in the history of football, adding to the insult of all of that today his team, the most popular, the best, most televised team in football in all of sports, just flex out of a Sunday night national television game against the 49ers for the Browns and Giants. So I think that Jerry is probably going to be convinced by Mike McCarthy for a lot of reasons uh, to, to bring it all back again next year and try again. I don't know how his negotiations with Dak Prescott are going to go or what the draft situation might be. They're playing the Cleveland Browns with the number three pick in the draft at stake on Sunday. I'm sorry, the the Cincinnati Bengals with the number three pick in the draft 
uh, at stake on Sunday. But my sense is Jerry's not going to admit he failed as a general manager and hired the wrong coach. Uh, you know, when he sat there with Jason Garrett for 10 years and then hired Mike McCarthy, who he thought was going to take over a team that was, you know, Super Bowl ready, in his opinion. That's the worst of it. And and I agree with every word you just said, by the way. But that is the worst of it, is that this was a team. This was the year that was supposed to be the culmination like this. This was a win this minute team. That's why you draft a wide receiver in the first round when you have needs on the defensive side. That's why you bring in a coach with a Super Bowl pedigree, um, because you felt, okay, this is the year we're going from point B to point C. So to go all the way back to point A or even short of that has got to be endlessly frustrating to him well the problem is you know you can't just say well we lost our franchise quarterback uh and until then we were playing really well and we were a dominant team they were a dominant offensive team but they were two and three with Dak prescott as the starting quarterback they were lucky to win the two games that they won they should have lost to the falcons and they should have lost to the giants they should have been 0 and 5 under Dak. and and the bigger problem isn't the offense because i think if you bring Dak Prescott back, and you get Lael Collins and, and Tyron Smith back uh, and Zach Martin back, I think you got a pretty good offense. But the defense is beyond, to use Mike McCarthy's word, atrocious or abysmal yesterday. I mean, this coaching staff had 12 days to get ready for the Ravens and their one-dimensional offense. I mean, it's an elite offense, a unique run offense, and yet you know, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens emasculated them for 294 rushing yards. <laughs> the only team this year to, to, to have more rushing yards in a single game was the Cleveland Browns getting 307 yards against the same Cowboys defense. <laughs> you know, Mike, the, the, the two, two of the three highest rushing totals allowed in the history of Cowboys football has come in the first 13 games under Mike Nolan as a defensive coordinator. Well said, and it's a great choice of words. Ed, I knew you would be there when I needed you. Thank you, my friend. It's good to talk to you. I'll talk to you soon. Happy holidays, Mike. To you as well, Ed, and your family. It's Ed Werder with me here with the insight. The choice of emasculated was a great one. And by the way, because his phone broke up a tiny bit, I want to make sure it was clear what he said. The Dallas Cowboys, the most telegenic team in American sports, have been flexed out of a Sunday night window. Cowboys Niners in a couple of weeks has been flexed out for Browns Giants, which is the right decision, but it is still startling. In fact, let me bring in my buddy Ryan Clark on that thought. He's with me on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. You're listening to Greeny with you on uh, ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. And RC, let's take everyone to our production meeting this morning. Ryan Clark, who was the best, calls into our production meeting on Get Up at five o'clock in the morning where he lives which I, you know how I endlessly appreciate that. And how about the conversation we had today? The conversation was, we have to find some way to talk about the Cowboys, and we can't think of it because they've just managed to do the impossible. There's nothing even interesting about them anymore. Yeah, that, that, that was crazy. And, you know, we kind of landed on, can we talk about why they are irrelevant now? <laughs> that was the place we ended up in. And it, it's really it's really sad because we look for reasons to talk about them, Greeny, and usually Jerry Jones will give us reason, but reasons, but he can't go down to the locker room anymore. And nothing on the field says you want to talk about these dudes. And we had a kick, or we got a kick out of talking about how bad they were for a little while. But they've been so bad this year for so long that even that's becoming an old conversation. And so the only conversation to have is how they are continuing to get worse. And I don't know how this is fixed. You know, Ed 
Ed said they were emasculated, and I kind of chuckled because that's a great word for exactly what it was. A team told you that we're going to run the ball every single play, and we dare you to stop us. And they almost ran the ball to the tune of 300 yards. And so when you look at this team, what they are defensively, some of the problems that they have on the offensive line, he's right. Dak Prescott doesn't fix all those things, but Dak Prescott has to get done. That saga has to find a resolution. It has to come to an end. And I think that all needs to start with Jerry Jones stepping away and just owning the team and not being involved in running the team. I agree with you, but we both know that isn't going to happen. Greeny and Ryan (laughs) Clark with me. Okay, I open the hour by saying the least expected thing in football is on the verge of happening. And now I will tell you what that is. Are you ready? Here we go. The NFC East, which we have mercilessly mocked all year long, is actually on the verge of being in position to get two teams into the playoffs this year in the conference. Listen to this. Washington and the Giants are both at five and seven. The last playoff spot right now is at six and six. The teams sitting there are Minnesota, who was at Tampa Bay this week. Tampa Tom coming off a bye at Tampa. That feels like a very losable game. The other is Arizona, who are at the Giants, who are red hot. If the Giants win that game, Minnesota loses at Tampa, which one would expect them to do, and Washington wins at San Francisco, which is a winnable game with as banged up as the 49ers are. You realize those teams would all be in the last spot. Whoever isn't the division leader, at that point it would be Washington because the Giants swept the season series, would be in a position to be in the wild card spot. The NFC East RC, the much maligned division, could get two teams into the playoffs. One of the questions that Allie, uh, one of our great producers on Get Up, asked me yesterday was who was the biggest winner of the weekend? And I picked the NFC East. Mm. And when the New York Giants go into Seattle and beat the Seattle Seahawks, something that none of us saw coming, when the Washington football team goes into Pittsburgh on Monday afternoon or Monday evening and pulls a win from out of that stadium when they were down 14 nothing. Like, those are huge accomplishments. Those are games that we never expected to see these teams win. And then we laughed at them and we joked about them and we mocked them. But these are two teams with new coaches. Uh, These were teams that were playing with guys who weren't their starting quarterbacks at the beginning of the season, not only playing against playoff teams, but playing against Super Bowl contenders, and they won those games. And you're absolutely right, Green. Where these two teams have, have taken their seasons from the way that they started uh, obviously from the way that they ended last year, is, is nothing short of phenomenal. And if they get two teams in, we're going to owe this entire division an apology. Okay, never mind. We'll just owe those two teams an apology because the <laughs> other two teams really suck. But <laughs> on what they've been able to accomplish and how they fought their way back into the playoff picture. Who's better? Right now, As you, if Daniel Jones comes back healthy or when Daniel Jones is healthy, who's a better football team right now, Washington or the Giants? You know, the hard thing is the fact that the Giants beat Washington twice this year. Right. You know, so it's kind of hard to, to, to get out of that. But I would think the Giants right now, when you look at the way the Giants play defense, uh, the way that they started to run the football offensively, and the fact that they could go on the road with a guy like Colt McCoy and play that way against the Seattle Seahawks, it just really says a lot about who they are as a team, the way that they're coached, uh, the way that they've competed. I think – the Washington football team probably has some bigger stars 
and possible or probable stars going forward. But as far as the team top to bottom right now, I believe the New York Giants are playing better. Greeny and RC on ESPN Radio. A couple more quickies for you. Your old team, the Pittsburgh Steelers, you just mentioned the loss. Um, there were a lot of factors in that. One of them was the schedule. Um, having played just on five days rest, the team they played had 11 days rest. But another factor in it is that they just have abandoned running the football, at least for the time being. They just seem to have stopped trying. And I guess I would ask you, one, why do you think they've done that? And two, do you think they can win a championship that way? You know, I don't. I don't think you can become that type of one-dimensional. I saw Ben made a statement about he needs to be better. He needs to give his wideouts more catchable balls. That's just been learning from past mistakes of calling people out because he's giving them catchable balls. They're dropping the football. Mm -hmm. But when you start to put the ball up in the air that often, when you put it in the air 53 times, there's going to be some miscommunications. There's going to be some drops. uh, There's going to be some mistakes made. And that's what we're seeing from the Pittsburgh Steelers. And also it's difficult to get a fourth and one or a third and one when there's no threat of the run. You know, most of the times you see the play action pass or you see the boot. When you go shotgun and you're spread or you're empty, you're letting teams know that we aren't trying to run the football. So there's no element of surprise there. And I just don't think it's sustainable to be able to do that, keep the football away from teams like the Kansas City Chiefs or score often enough against good defensive teams if you're going to be one-dimensional in the way that they are with a 38-year-old quarterback with a rebuilt elbow. Ryan Clark is with me here on ESPN Radio. Greeny, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. And Progressive, they're making things even easier. They'll help you bundle your home and car insurance together so you can save on both. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. One more thing for you, RC. We we had uh, a lot of people. So you and I were talking on Monday. You were on Get Up With Me on Monday, the day after the Jets lost on that ridiculous final play to the Raiders. And, And we were all very critical of the defense they were in, et cetera. Later in the day, the Jets fired their defensive coordinator, Greg Williams, who you mentioned that you have known for a long time and you like. Yesterday, to some degree to my surprise, everyone I had on, Jeff Saturday and, and, and several others, were very critical of the organization for firing the coach. Uh, I wasn't surprised by the firing. I was surprised a little bit by their reaction. What was yours? I haven't had a chance to ask you. What was your reaction to the Jets firing Greg Williams after that play? I thought it was hypocritical. You know, I, I thought that if you're going to fire him for that play, which, which, which seemingly it looks like, it doesn't look like this was something that was building and you decided to just let Greg Williams go. Uh, it seems hypocritical. It doesn't seem like you're holding everyone to the same standard on mm-hmm. this team. That's a standard of accountability for the plays that you call, for the schemes that you design, and for the way that you carry yourself. Because if that was what you were doing, you wouldn't have the head coach that you still have now. And so for me, it was another example of a dysfunctional organization making a dysfunctional decision. Because when you have Lamar Jackson, nope, not the good Lamar Jackson, not the MVP, but the undrafted free agent Lamar Jackson starting at corner that lets you know how depleted you are on the defensive end. When you trade away your best player in Jamal Adams, when you've traded away Leonard Williams, who's who's now become a stalwart, in the middle of the defensive line for the New York Giants, but you still have a team that plays extremely hard defensively. They may get penalties. They may do different things. They may not be sound at all times because they're not very good, but they fight. And to take that unit, even though it was a bad call, but you've seen that call from Greg Williams before, to take that unit and look at it and say, we're going to fire the guy that's running it because we don't like this one thing, 
shows that the Jets have no direction. The Jets have no foundation. They have no principles on what a great organization is supposed to be, supposed to look like, how it's supposed to run. And I agree with Jeff. I agree with all those that think that this was a stupid firing by the New York Jets. You know what? That's the beauty of this is that I can do this job for 30 years and still learn from you guys because that's the last thing I expected any of you to say. And yet to a man, everyone I've asked about it, Ryan Clark now, Chris Canty, Jeff Saturday, people whose opinions I value all felt the same way about it. All right, RC, thank you as always. I will see you Friday. Thanks, my friend. My man, have a good one. Ryan Clark with me here on ESPN Radio. It's fascinating, and, and that's the thing. You can do this a really long time, and you still learn, and I learn from those guys, and that makes it a lot of fun. All right, coming up next, what I did not get to here, but I will, um, the most important thing that's going to happen in sports in the next two weeks, most important thing that's going to happen in sports, impactful thing in the next two weeks, I can give you a very good sense of how it's going to go. Greeny, the podcast. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute, but Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Half past the hour, Greeny with you, reminding you that it is V-Week, and during these challenging times, maybe most importantly because of these challenging times, ESPN and the V Foundation's fight against cancer has never felt more important. So we ask you again, if you are able to help in any way with a donation of any size, please support cancer research by visiting V.org slash donate 100% of what you give. 100 cents of every dollar goes directly towards fighting cancer. There is not anything better or more important that we do at ESPN. As always, we thank you for your support. Um, Quickly, I'm seeing some stuff on Twitter here about Marvin Lewis, and, and let me point out, if, if you're a team, if you're a fan of a team that figures to be in the head coaching market this offseason, asking for a friend, Daniel Jeremiah of NFL Network posted, 
One name I keep hearing over and over for these NFL openings is Marvin Lewis. He's very well respected around the NFL and deserves another shot. Chris Mortensen quote tweeted that by writing Marvin Lewis with the Bengals won 131 games, four AFC North titles, seven playoff appearances. Since his departure, they're 5-23-1. I noticed Field Yates also post, uh, posted a, a quote tweet of it, pointing out some of the numbers of how bad they were before he got there. Marvin Lewis is a good coach, and I do agree. He's going to get interviews and will very likely get a job this year. I think there are going to be a lot of coaching vacancies in the NFL. We all have a lot more football to get to, but right now, quickly, I insist we talk about basketball and Grinny insists is brought to you by DraftKings, America's top rated daily fantasy app. And here's why I insist because of all the things going on in sports right now, the most impactful one that is going to happen in the next, I think couple of weeks is the trading of James Harden. I believe James Harden of the Rockets is going to be traded. I said this yesterday and then perhaps not coincidentally, I heard a whole bunch of other people saying it later in the day. And that is that the, the James Harden has already left Houston. They just don't know it yet. They need to trade him ASAP. This doesn't get better. It gets worse from here for the Rockets. They need to make a deal as quickly as they can. And there was, a, there was and is a terrific piece on ESPN Plus by Bobby Marks that I strongly recommend you read that lists the top landing spots for James Harden and what it would take to get him. And here they come. This, this, in a nutshell, we sort of distilled it down. So these aren't all of the details. But figuring trades that reasonably could happen and factoring in the money, which, as we all know, is the most important piece of this, and Bobby Marks gets it better than anybody, these are the most interesting and reasonable landing spots for James Harden. At number five, we will put the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat uh, deal would be centered around Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero, and they'd have to throw in Andre Iguodala and Kelly Olynyk um, as part of the deal in order to make the money work. That would be a fascinating deal for Harden to wind up in Miami would completely change what they have. And him and Jimmy Butler together would be a really interesting pairing. But that's just always a place that players are generally interested in going. So we will see. That to me seems like the fifth most interesting possibility. The fourth most interesting possibility is Boston. And the trade that Bobby Marks puts together would include Kemba Walker, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart. That would mean the Celtics and Danny Ainge sort of packing in this little time here. I believe that the Celtics have the makings of a championship team. I do. Because I think Jason Tatum is an MVP caliber player. Jalen Brown, I think, is coming into his own both as a human being, but also as a terrific player. Marcus Smart is one of those Dennis Rodman-esque, Draymond Green-esque kind of guys who just does all these little things that help you win games. Honestly, I think the Celtics could win the championship this year or could at least win the East this year without James Harden. I don't think if I'm them, I'm making that deal. That's just me. Not that Harden isn't a better player than those guys, but I think the Celtics should keep this core together and try and win a championship with it. That's just me. The third most interesting possibility, and I only listed it third because I think it's impossible to imagine it happening, is Golden State. I just cannot fathom the Rockets trading James Harden to the Warriors. But the package that would go back in the other direction would include Andrew Wiggins, Kelly Oubre, and James Wiseman, who was just the second pick in the draft a few weeks ago. 
That's obviously an interesting possibility. Could you picture Harden playing with Steph? Like, does that work? The Warriors, who move the ball better than any team, this would really be like the immovable object against the irresistible force. The, the beautiful team-style play of the Golden State Warriors running head-on into the, you know, dribble the ball for 21 seconds and take a contested step-back three and make it of James Harden. So I, I don't see it happening. If it were to happen, I might put it at the top of the list of most interesting things that could happen. I put it third because I just think it's so unlikely. The second most interesting possibility, according of, of, of Bobby Marks's trade possibilities, would be Philadelphia. And that's, of course, where Daryl Morey is. And Daryl Morey is the guy who ran the Rockets and who basically put in place the pieces to make James Harden what he is, which is one of the most uh, productive players in basketball history. You can debate all you want how good he is. But his numbers speak for themselves. Very few players in the history of the sport. He puts up like Wilt Chamberlain-esque numbers. And the deal that, that, that Bobby puts together here that I would find the most interesting would be for Ben Simmons. So if I'm Houston, I don't think anything better could happen than getting Ben Simmons back in a trade for James Harden. If I could find a way to get Ben Simmons out of Philadelphia, I, I'm Houston, I'm running to the phone. I'm making that deal as fast as I possibly can. For the Rockets, that's the best trade they could make because Simmons is a young, budding superstar who I still think has the potential to wind up being a top 10 player in the league. I do not believe he is one now, but I think he could be. So that's number two. And the number one, of course, is the Brooklyn Nets. And the deal that Bobby Marks is talking about would include names like Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert. What I would find most interesting is whether or not Kyrie Irving might wind up in that deal. Kyrie Irving and the city of New York are going to be a really complicated match. I haven't done a lot of basketball on the show here because when football season gets going, I'm, I'm, I'm so into that that I just haven't spent a lot of time on things like this. But if you have seen the, the stories, Kyrie Irving has announced that he's not going to talk to the media this year. He's just going to issue statements. Now, I don't personally have a problem with that. If he feels as though he's had bad relationships with the media before, if he feels he's been burned in the past, for whatever reason, he's, he's obviously a person who views the world differently than most. But what I can tell you is, based upon not just that, but that was what really sort of put it over the top in my head, but a lot of other factors as well, I don't foresee great things for Kyrie Irving in this town. I really don't. And I think that it might... If I'm the Nets and I had the opportunity to get James Harden, I would make that trade immediately. I would put Kyrie Irving in the deal and I would make that trade. I don't think it'll happen. But if I were in their shoes, I would do it. Anyway, I strongly recommend the piece on ESPN Plus. Bobby Marks with a ton of detail in there. If you're interested in what may or may not wind up happening with James Harden here, I strongly recommend reading it. I also recommend you don't miss two big fights Saturday at UFC 256. You got Davison Figueredo putting his belt back on the line and Tony Ferguson returning to the octagon. UFC 256 is exclusively available to ESPN Plus subscribers for $64.99. Visit ESPNPlus.com slash PPV for more details. All right, I've done all the talking I can do. It's time for you. We're coming up next. We will play a little game called What Do You Want to Know? You will call me. You will ask me any question you want in sports, and I will answer it. 888-SAY-ESPN is my number. Give me a call right now. 888-729-3776. Your questions. Greeny, the podcast. 
Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. All right, Greeny with you here as we approach... Um the top of the hour it is time for your calls i want to know what's on your mind brought to you by my computer career training for a better life my number is 888-SAY-ESPN and today's game is simply called what do you want to know you've got a question in sports and i'll have an answer bubba who's our first caller yeah first we got pat pat you're on the dr pepper call in line pat what do you want to know hey greeny i was just wondering it's looking more and more likely that the jets are going to get the first overall pick in the draft what do you realistically think that the jets could get for sam Darnold this offseason if they decide to trade him you're going to hate my answer to this but my understanding from the people i talked to was they'll be lucky to get a second round pick doesn't that make you want to throw up if you're a fan of the jets that should make you want to throw up they traded away draft capital to move up to the third spot in the draft to take a player that in three years they turned into someone that they'll be lucky to get a second round pick for that's what i've heard from people and it's the best thing that could possibly happen to Sam, who could wind up in Indianapolis, I think, or at San Francisco, any number of other places, and have a great career. But that is my sense of what they will likely get for him. Uh, Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. Bubba, who's next on the Dr. Pepper call-in line? Yeah, next we got Logan. Logan, what do you want to know? Hey, Greeny, it's Logan in Manhattan. I yes. want to know that if should our Jets fulfill their destiny and complete their 0-16 journey... <laughs> What is that top pick worth in terms of picks and assets? And if someone's going to drop a a godfather offer to us, I think we should take it. What do you think? I actually have said that a million times. I I, I do believe that. If you look at what I had it in front of me when when I did this topic a couple of weeks ago, if you look at what Tennessee got for the number one pick that turned into Jared Goff, I had it and I forget what it was. I think it was two ones, two twos, and two threes. Um... And that was Jared Goff. This is Trevor Lawrence. I completely agree. You could remake a franchise. This could be the Herschel Walker trade, regardless of who winds up with the number one pick, if you decide you want to trade it. But none of that is worth it if Trevor Lawrence really does wind up being Peyton Manning. So I don't think anyone has the guts to trade it. The answer to the question is, do I think that they should consider it, or anyone, whoever, if it's Jacksonville, whoever winds up there, should they consider it? Yes, probably. But do I think they will? No. Because I don't think anyone has the courage. At the end of the day, those are just picks, and you can screw those up. If Trevor Lawrence is really that good, then I think you take him. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. Bubba, who's next? Brian is next. Brian, you're on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Brian, what do you want to know? Hey, Greeny. First of all, it's a pleasure to talk to you, man. I've respected your work for years, so thanks for the call. Um, I wanted to say that I'm a lifelong Cowboys fan, and I don't know how to feel over the next four weeks. Logic tells me I want my team to lose to get a better draft pick. 
but I'm an irrational fan, so I need your help in telling me how I should feel for the next four weeks as I watch this match. Well, Brian, I thank you for the phone call, first of all. Second of all, you are, welcome to my life. Uh, you're, you have reached the worst place a fan can be, which is it is now undoubtedly better for your team to lose than to win, and you find yourself rooting against them or at minimum having mixed feelings as you watch the game. And frankly, it's awful. It's just awful. There's nothing worse. There is nothing worse than watching these games and not being able to make up your own mind with your team, a a team that I've followed my whole life. I'm 53 years old. I was born into a family with season tickets. So there's nothing worse, no matter who you're a fan of, you can relate to this, than watching a game and rooting for your team to lose, or at least knowing it's better if they lose. And I find myself emotionally, as the game is going on, going back and forth. So I can't tell you how to feel, Brian, except I can tell you that it stinks and it's going to get worse. You're going to hate the next four weeks. You're going to hate it. You're going to be watching the game and it's going to be an awful experience. I'm sorry. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but your bad experience is about to get worse. Hashtag Bubba, who's next? Next up, we have Shane. Shane, what do you want to know? Hey, Greeny, I just wanted to know, do you think the Cowboys will either trade one of their high-priced players like Zeke or Gallup or maybe even their top, you know, six pick? Well, I mean, I, again, if, I don't know if you are with me at the beginning of this hour, but I had Ed Werder on and we talked about what route we expect Jerry Jones to take. If the route is try and, and, and put it all back together again as quickly as possible and make another run at winning the thing next year, again, the worst thing about the Cowboys is that they were in win-now mode. And they're terrible. So does he still think they're in win-now mode with a little bit of, you know, scotch tape here and there? If so, then no, you don't trade away Gallup and you don't trade away Zeke. And maybe you trade the pick, but probably not. You bring in a young defensive player, you take a stud on the defense. I don't think they trade away the, the, the high draft pick no matter what happens. And, and with that draft pick, they have to take someone who can stop the run. I haven't started looking at the players who are going to be out there available for that, but look for the guys who will be in the top, you know, five or six picks, which is where Dallas is going to be, and find one of these 330-pound guys who stop the run in the middle or find one, some linebacker who goes sideline to sideline, whoever it is. You cannot get run on the way they've been run on this year. Ed brought up a great point. They had two weeks to get ready for Baltimore. Everybody knows what Baltimore does. And the Ravens ran for 294 yards against them. Earlier this year, the Browns ran for 300 yards against them. Dallas's offense is terrible, but their defense is their big problem. So I thank you for the calls. And, and by the way, it's so nice of everybody to call in and say thank you to me for taking the call. You're the one making the call. You're the reason I'm here. You're the reason that I get this opportunity every day to sit here and, and do something that I love to do, which is sit and talk about sports with you. So I thank you for the call. Let's never get that backwards. All right, it's been a terrific day. Thanks a million for being here. I'll see you in the morning for Get Up and then back here on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can check out Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+. Plus. Also, don't miss Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 Eastern on ESPN. This is Greeny, the podcast.